You notice the changes going on? There's something like this right there in front of us that kind of piques your curiosity, doesn't it? As somebody said to me yesterday, you know, when you put coverings over all these things, it just makes us want to know what's going on on the other side. Well, this covering is here because of some of the work that's being done. A ramp has to be installed here, and so some concrete work has to be done, and that would create a lot of dust. So this uh, tent is covering up the work, but also keeping the dirt away. It, it's a change, but um, we don't mind taking a peek, right? You like to see a peek? Well, come back next week. I'll have some pictures of what's going on behind there. That's my little teaser to get you to come back next week. But a change is the big word. Changes that are happening around here physically to make things better, some improvements so that things work and we can function a little better. But that's not the only kind of change that's going on around here. We are in this season of epiphany in which we take a look at Jesus' life and his words. And one of the things that we're going to look at today that happened in his life is his baptism. And to note simply that his baptism was done to bless us. And so we want to focus on that treasured truth of our baptism. Now, oftentimes with, with Epiphany, we, we think of the wise men and the gifts that they brought Jesus. And I said last week that we would use those three gifts as a reminder of the gifts that God gives us. For example, the gold reminds us of the gold of his word that he says blesses us. Today we want to see how that frankincense that the wise men brought to Jesus reminds us about our baptism and how we are blessed. So today let's take a look at this treasure, this truth, and that is baptism. And, and note the change that it makes in us, or, or if you will, how our baptism remodels us in Christ. We're going to look at several key passages today, and, and the first one is from 1 Peter, where he writes this, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. And after being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water, that flood water, symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. Now, if you see, at this point in our Bibles, there's a footnote. And on the bottom of the page, it, it gives you an alternate translation for that phrase. And I'll talk about that in a few minutes. But Peter goes on and he says, It, meaning baptism, saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand, 
with angels and authorities and powers in submission to him. Well, the big news item around here for the last week or so has been all the rain, right? You know, we hear how it has brought uh, an end or close to an end for the drought in many places in our state. But in addition to hearing that good news, we've also heard how there's been a lot of flooding. And some of the dangers that have come up because of the flooding that occurred. Did you notice how Peter also was talking about a flood he was talking about that flood in, in Noah's day. That flood was sent by God because God had had it with the world. He said everybody had turned away from him. And he said every thought of man, every inclination of his heart was only evil all the time. And so God determined that he needed to wipe out the world in order to save the world. Noah and his family were believers in God and were therefore righteous in his sight. And so they were saved not only by the ark, but by the water. We think of that flood water as something that destroyed the earth, but in actuality it was also there to save the believers. And from that, Peter is reminding us that this water of the flood is pointing us to the water of baptism that saves you. It saves you because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So let's talk about the blessings that baptism has for us. And the first thing we're going to note is that it connects us to Christ and then brings about a change. We've been uh, hearing in, in the news lately, of course, all of the uh, people who are being appointed to cabinet positions in the new president's administration and, and the hearings that they have to go through and all the background checks and things. They, they've got to be seen as people who are qualified for that work. Well, they're not the only ones who go through a qualification process. Uh, I know seniors in high school are, are going through that right now as they're getting all their stuff ready and applying to colleges to show the colleges we're ready for college. And juniors are starting to get ready with their testing. People who go out and apply for jobs, they have to fill out an application and they have to show that they are qualified for that position. Now in, in, in hearing all these uh, different uh, appointments being made for the cabinet and all the hearings that they go through, I thought, man, who would want to go in that job and have everything about your life exposed to the whole country and then be criticized? I mean, that's pretty tough, isn't it? Well, you and I, you know, have to be qualified to get into heaven, too. So we go through a qualification process, and God knows all the stuff on us. He knows all about us, and we're not qualified our sins keep us from being qualified. We're not righteous on our own. But we are righteous through Jesus. Jesus lived righteousness. And now Jesus gives righteousness to us through our baptism. 
The Apostle Paul pictured it this way. He said, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. So the first change that we can see in our baptism is this, that we have been clothed with Christ's righteousness. So just like this covering here is keeping things hidden, so our sin nature is, is hidden. Our faults are hidden. They're covered over because now we're clothed with Christ. I said I wanted to make a, a connection to those gifts that the wise men brought to Jesus, and one of them was frankincense. Incense was used in old times as part of worship because it, it symbolized something sweet-smelling that rose up to God. Well, it isn't something sweet about us, but it was something sweet in Jesus. The Apostle Paul said Christ lived a life of love, and that was a sweet-smelling aroma to God. The incense that the wise men brought to Jesus was simply a testimony that Jesus is the incense. Jesus is the sweet-smelling one. Jesus has the merits that please God. And that's what God gives us through faith in him. That's a change. In one of my wife's uh, pregnancies, there was a, a difficulty that came up close to birth when, when the baby had turned and was ready to come out, the umbilical cord got wrapped around his neck. And so as he started to drop down, the cord became tighter around his neck and was cutting off oxygen. And so there was fear, of course, that the baby would die. And so a special team of doctors was rushed in uh, for the birth process, and uh, the baby died. baby came out dead, I should say. But today he's 10 years old, and he's in the fourth grade here. <laughs> He was born dead like all my children were born dead. He's born dead like all of us have been born dead. The Bible tells us we are born dead in sin. We don't have spiritual life. But God infused that spiritual life in us. Peter tells us about that. He said Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body but made alive in the spirit. You see, the second change that, that baptism makes in us is this. It cleanses us from our sin and gives us life. The power of baptism is that word, is that declaration of God that unites us with Christ. And as Christ has died to sin, so have we. Now, you know, last Sunday we had a lot of rain here. And uh, in between services, my wife and I had, had just gone outside, and here our two young guys, our, our, our two young kids, are, are standing outside in the rain. <laughs> and we said to them, why aren't you up in your Sunday school room right now and, and out of the rain? Why are you standing in the rain getting wet? And their reply back was, because we can. <laughs> there was something fun about being a kid and being out there in the rain. Because we can because they wanted to. Well, not only do we want to, 
be in the water of baptism. We need to. Because we need to be cleansed of our sin. And God does that in our baptism. Paul reminds us of that when he writes this. He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Baptism became an important message in the preaching of the apostles. We heard about that with Peter preaching earlier. Paul did too. He said, now that you, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized and wash your sins away, calling on his name. It's not just an outward, it's not an outward ceremony. It's an inward working that God does to remove our sins. Paul also pictured it this way when he was talking about the love of a husband and a wife. He said, Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. We're saved from the water of destruction by the water of grace. And Christ, who is enthroned in heaven, makes that proclamation, we're forgiven forever. Now there's a third change that happens in our baptism. And that is, we're charged with a new life. Paul said, we're renewed, we're regenerated, we're given a new charge of spiritual life. Paul explains that for us with these words when he says, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So what he is reminding us of is that now the dead is gone and a new life has started. We no longer need to be slaves to sin but can serve God, living a life that's pleasing to him. That's a change. So as we're looking at changes, remodeling going on here at church, understand there's a big remodeling project that's happened right here in our life. We've been covered or clothed with the righteousness of Christ. We've been cleansed of our sin, and we've been charged with a new life for God. Now, not all people believe that. Some people think that our spiritual nature was only damaged in the fall into sin and that there's still some life, some power there, and therefore we can cooperate with God and we can help God along in our, in our Christian living and in our, in our salvation. There are also some people who think that baptism doesn't actually save us, it's just a ritual by which you are committing yourself to being a Christian. But that's not what the Scriptures teach us. The Scriptures teach us that we need forgiveness, and we need righteousness and a new life. 
And the scriptures teach us that it's baptism that gives us that. That baptism, like it says, actually saves you. This uh, passage I referred to earlier that I read, it talked about baptism not being the removal of dirt from our body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. That's how the NIV Bible translates it. But it has that little letter B afterwards, which means there's a footnote. There's an alternate translation on the bottom of the page. And it's a good translation. In fact, I'd say it's the correct translation. Because I looked up in the original Greek language that word for pledge. And it doesn't mean pledge. It means a plea. It was a judicial term. A term used in a court for the one who is guilty to make a plea to the judge for mercy. And the bottom part is how the NIV translates that now. It's an appeal to God for a clear conscience. That's what our baptism is. It's acknowledging that we need God's mercy. And it's the declaration from God, we have it. Now, I understand that this might sound like it's just a lot of theological jargon and arguing and difference of opinions. But, but think of this for a moment. You know, we're hearing a lot about the, the weather around here with all the rain. And in other parts of our country, they're having some bad weather too. You know, winter storms, a lot of cold temperatures. And, you know, we hear of rivers and, and lakes freezing over. And then people going out on those lakes and rivers. But every once in a while, like this past week, we hear of somebody on a lake where the ice was not very thick and it breaks and they fall through. That's the danger when you give up holding on to something that is solid, God's declaration of his grace, and instead try to think, well, I can do it. I can do this on my own. You put yourself at risk of losing grace. This is not theological jargon. This is truth. And it's truth that has a practical lesson or value for us every day. I know you might think, well, my baptism, I can't even remember. It was so long ago. But your baptism still works for you today. So I want to share with you two of the blessings that we can have every day in our, in our life because of our baptism. And the first is that of comfort. It reminds us we're saved. When we're confronted with our sin, with our guilt, we admit it. And we can make our plea to God for forgiveness and know that he declares through our baptism, you are forgiven. And even though that baptism maybe happened long ago, it doesn't take away the power or the effect of it. You know, long ago, we were maybe baptized as children. Well, long ago, a lot of things happened when we were infants, right? Somebody fed us, somebody clothed us, somebody cleaned us, somebody helped us to learn how to walk. We may not remember all those particular events, but they happened, and, and here we are today. Same with our baptism. We, not, we may not remember the actual event, but it happened. And here we are today, forgiven and God's forever. We just need to rely on that. We need to think about that. 
Martin Luther in his large catechism. Not the small one that we use to teach our youth, but the large catechism that was written for adults wrote this about baptism. He said, in baptism, every Christian has enough to study and to practice all his life. He always has enough to do to believe firmly what baptism promises and brings. Victory over death and the devil. Forgiveness of sins. God's grace. The entire Christ and the Holy Spirit with his gifts. Luther himself found a lot of comfort in his baptism. When he would go through a lot of trials and a lot of troubles, he would simply remind himself, baptizatus sum, that was Latin, <laughs> for I am baptized. You know, when we go through troubling days, when we're carrying a lot of burdens, when we have worries over things, facing a lot of uncertain conditions, just remind yourself, I am baptized. I'm God's forever. A second blessing that we can have every day of our life through baptism is that of conviction, a commitment of who we are, of how we've been changed, that we're no longer slaves to sin, but slaves to righteousness. This is what Paul explains in Romans 6. He says, in the same way, that is, having been buried with Christ to death, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. So he's simply reminding us, we're changed. Remind yourself of your baptism and who you are, and be strengthened to say no to sin and yes to God. Well, you're going to be seeing a lot more of changes around here that, have, that will be made in, in the remodeling. Changes that are going to be good, can make some good improvements. But never forget the big change that's happened around here, the change that has happened in you with your baptism. Here's some simple things to do to remind yourself of that baptism. First of all, just reflect on it and its meaning. Then take these blessings and incorporate them into your prayers, as you're going to hear us do this morning. Rely on those blessings when you confess your sin, because when we confess, we're trusting in God's grace to forgive. Then live in these blessings. Let it change your life. Also, take a look at other people and view them in light of the fact God perhaps has baptized them too. Pray for those who aren't baptized, that the message come to them, and they too will be baptized. And then remind one another of these blessings that we have. Well, one day soon, we're going to see this whole remodeled project finished, and we'll see what's been done.
and things will be ready to use. The remodeling here inside us, it's already been done. We're saved. We are refreshed and ready for use. Amen.